Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Your work is not insignificant. Your work matters to God. So last week we started this series looking at the motivations, the reasons for work. We looked at seven biblical reasons or motivations that can keep us motivated in our work. And everyone can use those motivations because we all have work to do. It doesn't matter if you're a student in school. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do there. If you're carrying a job or career, if you um, are at home, if you are retired, there is just still work and maintenance and mundane and chores and so much to do. And this week, we're going to discover what it is that transforms our work into worship to God. Notice with me that on the very first day, very first verse of the Bible, very first day, first thing God did was in the beginning, God created. For six days, God went to work. On the seventh day, he rested. When it all started, God went to work. He performed all the jobs. He was an artist dreaming up the universe. God was a designer, an architect, an engineer, a builder, the first scientist, a zoologist, a horticulturalist, a musician, a poet, a manager, a leader, a shepherd. God went to work. And by the way, the pinnacle of that creation, the pinnacle of God's creation was when he created you and me, when he created mankind. Let me remind you what happened that day when God finished his work with a personal touch in Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. This doesn't mean that we look like God, God is spirit, but God created you to exhibit traits of him meaning humanity is unique, that we have a, a material body. We also have an immaterial soul and spirit. So there's certain things about you that are unique morally. Humanity was designed, created in righteousness and in perfect innocence. That's a reflection of God's holiness. Other things about you that socially, you know, humanity was created for fellowship. And this reflects the triune nature of God is created in our likeness. In the first three verses of the Bible, you see the Trinity. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. This says, let's create uh, humanity with a, a desire uh, for fellowship. And part of being made in God's image is that Adam had the capacity, we have the capacity to make free choices. And the good news is that when God redeems an individual... He begins to restore the original image of God in them, creating a new self in Ephesians that says in true righteousness and holiness. So the day God created the first human, God breathed life into Adam. Adam takes his very first breath. And the first thing he did, it says, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to enjoy an all-inclusive resort and go skinny dipping with his wife because they were naked and unashamed and lounge in chairs and sit by the pool and just enjoy this 
paradise, go to bed when they want, wake up when they want. But this is before sin entered the world and in God's perfect world, it included them working and taking care. Why would he do that? Why would God put work in there? Well, God designed work as a gift. The thorns, the thistles, the work being toiling away as a result of the fall. And your work is not cursed. Watch this. It's, your work is not cursed any more than children are cursed. Where are you going with that? Well, it says that uh, God, after the fall, God said to Adam, now the work is going to be thorns and thistles and toiling away. And he says to the woman, there's going to be pain in childbirth now. That doesn't mean children are cursed. It means that there is now a gap between what God wanted, what God's desire is, and what we experience today. Something is broken in between, and the same thing is true with work. It's not that work is not a gift. It's that there's something broken between what God wanted. Something has fallen in the way we are now, and the world that we're operating in now is broken because of sin. But God can redeem us from sin. God came to pay the penalty of sin and God will come one day to fully restore the earth to where there will not be a curse, there will not be brokenness. So I want to show you today why why I'm talking about work and worship together. The Hebrew word for when he gave Adam work it's the word, and I know there's a B here, but it's the word avad is how that's pronounced. So did you say that word avad? And it, that word means to work, to accomplish, to do, or to serve. And it's used when God put people to work. It's, you can see it throughout the Old Testament when he put Jacob to work and throughout scripture that this is the word for work. But another place, actually 52 times throughout scripture... This word avad is used and translated to worship, worshipped, or worshipping. In in scripture, there is no difference. Work and worship are not separate ideas. They are linked together. Because our whole life is linked together. So I, I want to talk to you about today, how can I worship with my work. How do, I, how do I do that? In Romans 12, 1, we get a classic kind of pinnacle verse on worship. And it's on your notes. It's on the screen. Would you read this one out loud with me today? Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Notice, offer yourselves and true worship. What he's saying here is that worship is not just something that I do on a Sunday. It's not just something that I uh, do in a specific time in my life. Worship is something I do with my life. Because worship is any time I'm offering myself. Worship is faith expressed. Worship is when I am expressing my faith. When I am expressing my love to God. And anytime I express my faith, anytime I express my love to God, I am worshiping. Now that'll be an eye-opener and a life-changing concept if you grasp it, that I can express my faith and I can express my love to God through my work. Now, I can use my hands, my life, my 
Monday through Friday and work to the glory of God. And God says, you know what? It's just as important. God would say, if Christ isn't Lord of your work, is he really Lord of your life? I'll say it this way. Many Christians have a disconnect between Sunday and Monday. And they compartmentalize their life. And they say, over here in this bucket is my spiritual life, my faith life, where I go to church and I pray and I uh, give and I do these things with this certain group of people. So that's my spiritual godly life. And then over here is another compartment that this is my, and some call we call it their secular life. That's my school. That's my work. That's the stuff I've got to do to exist in the world. My career, my business decisions, my pension plan, all of these things of the secular life. And God looks at those two buckets and says, uh, no, no. God says that's wrong. All of life has spiritual implications and faith implications money is spiritual parenting is spiritual school is spiritual work is all of the decisions the word secular is not in the bible it all counts it all matters to god and when god looks at your life he doesn't look at different buckets he looks at one bucket all stirred together your work matters to God. God's as interested in our work as he is our prayers, as he is in every area of our life. We see in the Bible, heroes of the faith, they're not working in the temple, they're not all pastors and those things. They're fishermen, they're in government, they're shepherds, businessmen and women, tent makers, carpenters, on and on and on. And God is interested in every area of your life and can use any area of your life. The, the fact is that the Christian life is a lot like marriage. In fact, the Bible, the Bible says that. The Bible says that marriage is the symbol of the covenant that God made with his people. That when, you, when two become one in a marriage and the covenant you enter into in a marriage is the symbol of how God interacts with his people. And it's beautiful because he says, just as two became one, he says, I become one with the church and you cannot be separated. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing in time, space, or eternity. And marriage is a full-time relationship. So is our relationship to God. How about if I said to my wife, babe, I'm only going to act married when I'm at home. And that's the only place that I'm really going to show or act that I'm married. That doesn't work. That's not honoring. And the fact is, all of life is important to God. If you're not a Christian in your work, God would say, well, are you Christian in your life? Because life involves your work. So I want to ask today, what kind of work worships God? What is it that transforms work into worship. I want to look simply today at a couple of things of how can I worship through my work. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. By working as though I'm working for God. No job is too small. No job is too menial. No work is too insignificant. When you have the right motive, when you have the right perspective for it. To say, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing it as though it were for the Lord. In the 1600s, there was a monk named Brother Lawrence, and he journaled a lot, wrote a lot, 
and uh, that's been compiled into volumes and into works and into one book that's a, a best-selling book. But his job was that he was a dishwasher. And that was his routine. That was his day-to-day. He's a dishwasher. And I love this quote from Brother Lawrence in the 1600s. The time of busyness does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. He's saying, I meet the same God in the kitchen doing my work as I do on a retreat or in worship. Why? Because of his perspective of who am I really doing this for? Now this is, that, that's working as though I'm working for God. That's not my idea. That's not a new idea. That's not Brother Lawrence's idea. It's older than the 1600s. We'll look at it on the screen together and then we'll start tracking with the verses in your notes. In Colossians 3.17, I'll read it and then we'll read it out loud together. It says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's once again together. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. At home, in your business, in fact, that's where he goes with this. In the next four verses, he's going to identify, speaks to four different kind of targets or groups of people in the home, and, and he addresses these people. He says, wives, if you love Jesus, you should honor your husbands. And husbands, if you honor Jesus, you should love your wives. And children, if you're under the authority of Jesus, then you need to obey your parents. And fathers, if Jesus is your leader, you need to lead your children well. Let's look at it in verses 18 to 20. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. And then he, he turns and he takes it out of the home, back into the workplace. And the way he puts this is going to sound foreign at first, but we are absolutely living this principle in our jobs and in our schools. In verse 22, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely, Why? Because of your reverent fear of the Lord. In in Paul's day, when he's writing this, the, the Roman Empire is huge. And there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. They were possessions. But they did all of the work. They were the secretaries, the, the doctors, the teachers, the musicians, the construction workers. All the work, the Roman Empire was built on the backs of slaves. All the work was done by slaves. Now, most often when you see slavery brought up in the New Testament, this is not, this wasn't where our mind immediately goes when we see this word. This is not racial, race-based. This is not kidnapping, slavery. 
we have to take in consideration where they live, who they're writing to. You had the Roman Empire, and then you also had many, many people, same, same race as the owner, or people selling themselves to serve others. There was a huge gap between the people in poverty and the people with money and property and influence and ownership. And so people would sell themselves as a slave or a bondservant to someone else. Or they're so desperate they've got to sell their, their child into slavery because at least that way they'd have a roof over their head. At least that way they'd be able to eat. And so anytime you read the New Testament and a letter in the New Testament, at least 30% of the population that that letter's written to had a master. Sometimes even a higher percentage than that based on when and who they were writing to. And depending on their master, they have, may have been treated harshly. And But when the Bible talks about the relationships of slaves and masters, it's not condoning slavery, it's telling people how to deal with the reality that they were facing. In other places in scripture, it says if you can be free, Paul would say if you can be free, be free. But he's saying the type of relationship we are to have, even if we're in that situation. And we see in 1 Peter 5, the same message from Peter. He'd say, submit to them even if they are harsh. Love them. Ask God to bring them to the faith. And then what he writes here, what the Apostle Paul ends up going with this, is actually what eradicated slavery in the Christian Roman world. Here's how. If you're a slave, a bondservant, he says you need to serve your master as though you were serving Jesus Christ. And what would happen is the owner or the, of the slave or the servant would give that servant more and more latitude, more and more freedom, more and more responsibility until eventually it made no sense to keep them in bondage because they were living as free people and as citizens of the master's household serving the master well. If we took that and applied, these are people working in the marketplace, building the Roman Empire. If we took that and applied that to what God is asking us to do, what a difference that would make for us. When our attitude isn't, boss, you work for me, but it's, hey, what can I do to help grow this company or to, to serve in this place, to work for the good of what's happening here? In verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, work willingly. This is to, I mean, can you imagine hearing this as a slave? Like, we don't like hearing this right now in our context, in the freedom and, and all the provisions and the things we get. Can you imagine hearing this as a Christian slave in the Roman Empire? Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than for people. If you serve them as though you're serving the Lord Jesus, whether or not they're a godly person or not, the principle applies. If you treat them the same way you treat Jesus... You discover that your work has turned into worship and your work has been redeemed because I'm doing this and they don't appreciate it. They don't get it, whatever's going on. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing this for the Lord Jesus. But work is worship only when Jesus is your boss. Work is worship only when Jesus is your boss. So your boss may determine your salary, but God determines your reward. 
Your boss may determine your salary, but God determines your reward. Verse 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. So he's saying if you, if you cheat or steal from your master, uh, if, if you pay back your master with wrong and with evil, uh, then there's no reward in that. But he says, if you work as though you're working for the Lord Jesus, remember there is a great inheritance for you because your real master is Christ. So how can I worship God through my work? First one is that working as though I'm working for God. The second way that I can turn my work into worship is by by being driven by love. Any job can be turned into worship when I model Christ's love in it to my co-workers, to my clients, to my customers. Mother Teresa said it this way, it's not what you do so much that matters, but how much love you put into it. Have you ever thought, this jumped out to me this week, have you ever thought about two-thirds of the word career is care? And it made me ask, is two-thirds of my career care? How much love are we putting into it? In 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 4, it says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Uh, This week, I just asked some people in our church, what do you do to care for the people you work with? What do you do to demonstrate love in your workplace? And got a few responses. One of them said, I uh, have just taken it seriously to pray for my peers. And they said it doesn't have to be complicated or weird, but if they're open to it and they share a struggle or a concern, I say, I'll pray for them uh, in that moment in Jesus' name, a short prayer, or I'll go and pray for them. I'll try to circle back, follow up later, and see how they're doing with that issue. Heard the same thing back from a student. I said, what do you do to show care? What do you do to show love in, in your school? And they said, I make it a point to pray for the peers in my school, and I'll pray with them if they let me. Another uh, person said that they gift a book. And they said, we find someone who, in our life, in our job, who when they're going through a struggle, so they don't just give books to everybody anytime. They have a strategy where if someone is going through a time of transition, so maybe they've been promoted, or they're moving, or they just moved in, or transition, maybe they're empty nesters now, something in their life that has opened up the soil for them, or if someone's in a a, a struggle or a pain, they will give them a copy of The Purpose Driven Life. And they said, we've given away 30 copies of The Purpose Driven Life uh, over the last several years. And they said, because of the strategy of when we do it and how we time it, almost everyone we've given a copy of that book to has read the entire thing. Another Um, person said I write notes and they said I'll just it's not anything overt uh, or anything like that but I'll just write a note if if I know someone's going through something we'll mail them a personal note and she said it's not like I'll give a guy another note like we'll write it from our family or something like that Um, but they'll just make it a point to do that another person said you know what the support of my small group is essential in me showing love in my workplace. 
They said it can be very difficult to continue with support, with love, when you're not being poured into or if you don't find that, uh, find the support or the help from a group. And so maybe for you, that would be a group of, like a small group of two or three other people in the workplace, and we could help you do that. Pastor Tom, our small group's pastor, could show you how to do that, how to start a small group with just a couple of other people at your workplace if you guys are needing support in that area or know another Christian that could use support there, or to find the support from your small group to help you in loving others. I love this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Go out into the world uncorrupted. Notice what it's saying. It's not saying the world's uncorrupted. It's saying we go out into it, us uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. I love this. We go out into the world, into the dark places, and some of you work in just the darkest places, but we go out with a light-giving message, uncorrupted into a corrupted world. A friend of mine pastors in the desert, and one of the people in his church uh, made this testimony video about their job. I wanted to share it with our church today. Let's watch this together. I drive for a delivery company. I've been with the company for 27 years. I like meeting people. I like being a part of the community. What I do is can be very uh, routine and mundane, just going anywhere between 150 to 350 different addresses every day, um, bringing people what they need or want. I think with any job, there are days that you're just totally in it, and other days it's a chore to make it happen because you're just not feeling that great or you got something else you really need to do. But I feel like what I do really helps people out. Well, with the pace of what we do, you certainly can't talk to everybody every day, but you can talk to some people some days. I think I met them three years ago. I was gonna make a delivery, and when I was getting out of my truck, the gentleman was giving out of his truck as well, I brought him the package and said, hey, how's it going? And he answered. He just brought his wife home from an appointment with a doctor and they had just received some bad news about her cancer spreading more into another part of her body. So I, I said a prayer for him there. One Saturday after church, I got kind of a urgent call from him. They came home and their, their air conditioning stopped working and he called me just saying, hey, do you happen to know anybody that could come and take a look at the AC because my wife just can't be in this heat, and they got it taken care of. And when he was thanking me, he said, by the way, is, is the offer to meet with the pastor still there? And I said, absolutely. And they both decided to get baptized that very afternoon. You know, it makes all those years of sweating in the back of the truck like nothing 
compared to that. I want to be kind. I want to be encouraging. I want to show love to all people. When we listen and then open our mouths, testifying to what we have experienced and what we know, God just takes it from there and he is just so good to keep pursuing people every day. God's helped me see not just addresses and houses, but I see people and I see people with names and I see people with names that God created and God loves and God's pursuing. If me taking a few seconds out of my day to just make sure people know they're not alone, then I'm all about that. If you're taking notes, write this in. God working through you does not depend on what job you work. For Christians to reach the world for Christ, we need to represent Christ. Now, one of my jobs as a pastor is to uh, give warnings. So you'll see sometimes even in the notes, I'll just put warning, like here, here it is. And here's the warning I want to give before we leave today. And that is worship God, not your work. We do not worship work. We work as an act of worship. Work is an amazing opportunity for worship, but work is a lousy God. Amen, somebody? It will let you down. There is a gap between what God created, what God wanted for work, and what we are experiencing. And we don't want to trade the work opportunity we have right now for God himself. And if you don't want to be in a situation where you have put work in your mind and in your life to the point that something goes wrong at work and now it's the end of the world or now it's affecting you at a spiritual level that it should not be affecting you. We do not worship work. We work as an act of worship. Work is an expression of worship, but it's not the highest priority of our life. I love back in that first uh, Corinthians 16 Verse says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. That there's a balance there. That we will hold dearly to our faith, even in our workplaces. Romans 1.25 says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Don't trade the gift of work, the opportunity of a career for God himself. Jesus, of course, uh, echoes this warning in Luke 4, 8, where he quotes the scriptures and says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. What can I do with this message this week? Here's what I would encourage you to do each day this week. At the beginning of work, each day, pray this simple prayer, just the points on the outline today. When you get to your office or on the job or wherever, when you are headed into school, say, Father, today I want to worship you through my work. I want to do it as if I'm doing it for you, and I want to do it in love. Just those things. Father, today I want to worship you with my work. I want to do it as though I'm doing it for you, and I want to do it in love. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your work the work of creating, the work of saving, the work of making a way for us. And Lord, uh, we know that this world is broken 
and we feel it and experience it all the time. The environments in which we work are going to be hard at times. But we see that you created us, you gave us light, and that we have a light-giving message. And so help us to use our work, to redeem our work for the glory of God. Lord, some of this in your word is hard to hear, to work as though I'm working for you. But Lord, I want to obey your word, I want to follow you, and I want to submit to you and demonstrate my faith in you. God, help me to express my faith and worship you through my work. And I pray that through that you would transform our hearts, our minds. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.